0: This is part two of the travel nursing pay cap series.
1: And for clarification of this investigation and kind of where the news articles are going around about the nurse pay cap, is it something that the federal government, so it would impact all 50 states, is curious about or looking at? Is it something that an individual state is looking at? Is it something one hospital association is looking at? Where did it actually like? who's who's trying to push for this and who's looking at it
0: so there's a couple different things I think with the investigations um, that is some hospital associations and long-term care facilities that are looking asking states and, and Congress to to look into the allegations that staffing firms are are price gouging now what you're seeing in some states and and I want to be very clear about this this is not on the federal government at all but mm. what you're seeing in some states is they they've, they've proposed legislation that would put in place nurse rate caps Mm. and what that would do would essentially cap the amount of money that a nurse could earn based on you know profession and seniority uh, in a certain state Uh, right now today there are two states long before the pandemic that uh passed and have nurse rate caps in effect massachusetts and minnesota wow And you talk to staffing firms and it's very hard for those states to get nurses to work there because you have put up an artificial constraint on how much money they can earn. And quite frankly, if you're a travel nurse, right, and let's say you want to go to the Northeast, let's say it's the springtime and you love the Northeast in the spring, um, you go to Massachusetts, you've got somebody telling you you've got the government that set a cap, a ceiling on how much you can earn hourly. Um, if you make a left turn and you go toward Vermont or New Hampshire or Connecticut, there is absolutely no cap whatsoever. If you go to New York or if you go to Rhode Island, no cap whatsoever. So it's very hard for states to get that kind of quality care. When nurses know that there's 48 other states in the country that don't place any artificial cap on on nurse wages. So when we when we talk about in these states and when we're fighting these bills, we say to them. You are literally going to drive nurses out of the state. Um, You are going to make them want to go across to their neighboring states where they can get what the market will pay them. Mm -hmm. uh, And you're going to affect patient care directly. Uh, by putting these caps in place, um, the the issue is, and and again, you know these these healthcare facilities are looking to control the costs, which we all understand. Everybody does that as a business.
1: Mm-hmm. But the
0: fact of the matter is, is that nurse wage caps are are they're not. It's not even enough to say they're not the right way to do it. I mean, it would take a problem and make it into a catastrophe for a state if they were to enact nurse price, uh, nurse wage caps.
1: Wow. And so two states had already had nurse wage caps before the pandemic began. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I came to work at ASA in 2003. Yeah. And Massachusetts already had nurse wage caps in place at that point.
1: Wow. Now, to be fair,
0: to be fair, there are times Um. There are times when when the nurses that have worked there haven't even realized that there are nurse caps in place, because mm-hmm. if they're if they're placed at a reasonable level, it may, you know, no one may ever realize it because yeah. you don't have that problem. Uh, what happens, though, is if the supply gets particularly low, I mean, you don't even need a You don't even need a national pandemic to, to cause this. But mm-hmm. if you've got something, you know, let's say, for instance. Um, Let's say Massachusetts, everything's fine. We're, we're in a normal world, right? And all of a sudden, Massachusetts gets a huge flu outbreak. Uh, you know, they get a bad strand of the flu in the winter time, And, you know, just hospitals and ERs are overrun with flu patients and, and outpatient clinics. And now you've got this need for, you know, more nurses to handle this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's going to push the price up and And not to maybe the extent that we've seen now, but it's gonna push the price up and if you're close to that cap and you're going over um you're gonna see those nurses that are looking at neighboring states who probably have similar issues, and mm-hmm. you know nurses are never going to be out of work if if they want to work. We know that i mean there is a nursing shortage um so nurses are always going to be able to find work and in states where there are no rate caps. They're going to be able to find work and have much more to say in how much they can make, uh, which is the way that we feel like it should be.
1: Hmm. Wow. I am blown away by that. I actually had no idea there were already caps in place. Do you know, is this common or do you know in your, I know you're very focused on the staffing industry, but are there other professions out there that get wage caps where you literally have a ceiling set for you in our country?
0: You know, I, I, we've been talking about this and thinking about this, and, and there may be, but nothing that we've come across and nothing that uh, I don't believe is set, uh, you know, in stone the way these nurse rate caps are. And I'm sure there are industries mm-hmm. that are heavily regulated where uh, usually what you see this in is price caps, right? So you can only charge a certain amount of money for something, um, and even those are rare but but these these rate caps that are so directly tied to the nurses wage uh is is unlike anything else mm. that i've seen in the country
1: yeah i'm literally shocked okay so just to make sure i'm totally getting it right now it's certain states some brand new states that are um, writing letters. It sounds like it's hospital organizations, a couple of them, and some long-term care facilities. They're writing letters to the federal government, asking them to investigate staffing agencies to see, is this actual price gouging, to find out. So they wrote right. letters. Um, and what ha- what is happening now with those letters? They made it to the federal government. Are they investigating? Is there next steps with that?
0: So, yeah, the letters that they sent, they sent to a a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Zients, who Mm -hmm. is the chair for the White House Task Force on COVID-19 Responsive Recovery. And they've asked him to ask the FTC to look into uh, these price gouging allegations. Mm -hmm. Um, We have heard nothing from the FTC that they are going to investigate. We have not heard that they are. you know and i don't know that they would necessarily tell us but we have not seen anything and to our knowledge none of our members have been asked to participate in any kind of investigation so as far as we know there's nothing going on um okay. we i have met with several members of congress to discuss this issue with them to kind of share our side of the story uh and we were fairly confident that there is nothing from a legislative vehicle from congress to address this issue uh in the works of all right now
1: okay okay got it so right now the letters are sent nothing's really moving but it sounds like individual states could choose to do their own caps on the rates for nurses but if they do it could make it way worse for that individual state because nurses are just going to go to the states next door if they kind of do that to themselves does that sound about right
0: that's absolutely right. Yeah. You could come and lobby with me. That's that's exactly the argument that we make, that
1: mm-hmm. yeah. uh,
0: states that try to solve the problem by capping uh, nurse rates are going to make the problem worse. And uh, in fact, it was interesting in that a couple of weeks ago, uh, Governor Inslee uh, from the state of Washington held a press conference. Uh, and And during the press conference, Uh, somebody mentioned that Oregon was considering a bill that would cap nurse wage rates. And the governor literally said, you know, I'm a firm believer that Oregon should pass and sign that bill. And then every nurse in Washington state should feel free or in Oregon should feel free to come to Washington state where we have no rate caps and we never will have any rate caps. Mm. And there will be plenty of work for them to do here. So, Um, You know, this is not just an industry position that we're saying this is something that policymakers understand. And it's actually, you know, to to be completely candid, when you talk about a rate cap bill, many times we have seen the hospital association um, oppose rate caps because they know how badly it will affect their supply of labor. complaining that the rates are too high they are you know frustrated there are some of them that are obviously are suggesting that that some staffing firms are doing something wrong but i have not yet seen a hospital uh association fully embrace rate caps Mm. because i think they understand uh exactly the point we make that it would dry up the supply of nurses in the state almost overnight
1: yeah it does sound like it might be a bit of like exactly what you guys are working on an education issue and maybe the people that are proposing this don't really understand how bill rates work and what's going on and the hospitals and people that do are like don't take our nurses don't do this to us yeah. please yeah yeah okay um and how many states are we talking about here that are looking into this
0: so there's i think right now we're up to about 12 states that have some sort of of bills out there And I'd say of those 12 states, I'd say there's probably half of them have some language in the bill that would be nurse rate caps. Mm. Um, Some of them try to do it a little bit differently, where they try to um, base how much a staffing firm can charge on certain costs. So they're trying to say, well, that's not really a nurse rate cap. But for instance, um, one of the states that is doing this um they list what expenses could be reimbursed or, or could be included in that allowable uh you know fee that can be paid. And they don't include a lot of things, especially with travel nurses. So the, the cost that can be recouped from the staffing firm without being subject to a cap would not include things like hotels and meals and transportation. Oh
1: uh, yeah, that wouldn't um, work. Yeah, they lose all their travelers,
0: which would certainly Mm -hmm. impact uh, the staffing firm's ability to place travel nurses in that state. Mm -hmm. So there's probably about six states that are considering some sort of of a wage cap issue uh, right now. And, um, you know, it's it's a it's a short session for most of these legislators because it's an election year. Um, And so it's a lot of fast and frenzied and. You know, there are some states that are that are getting ready to adjourn for the year in the next couple weeks. Um, So there's a lot going on right now. Um, But again, um, you know, they're they're all looking at ways to try uh, and control the costs that are being uh, given to Mm -hmm. them. Some of the states, um, you know, are really not focusing on nurses at all. They're really just focusing on Staffing firms and 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 what information they can give to them, um, which is probably nothing your listeners are concerned with because it wouldn't uh, affect their rates at all.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: But again, I think the the thing that they you know the thing that they 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 most that, that these and, and and let me say this, um, this is really for the most part being driven by the long term care facilities, and the nursing homes. And, and there's a legitimate reason for that. Um, they have a much different revenue structure than hospitals. Most nursing homes and long-term care facilities get a majority of their money from Medicaid and Medicare reimbursement. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is before the pandemic, those reimbursement rates were too low. And now since the pandemic and the rise in all sorts of costs, uh, they are pitifully low to the point where I know a lot of these facilities are are looking at, you know, having to either go out of business or do other oh, drastic wow. things to keep their doors open um, because that is their main source of income. A lot of hospitals obviously have, you know, other insurance, you know, they get money from insurance, they get some, you know, private money as far as they directly charge the patients. Uh, there's been some federal money that's been, been given out during this pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. so this is really being driven by the long-term care facility and the nursing home facilities because of of the dire economic situation that they're in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which I think we all feel bad for, um, but again, um, trying to artificially tamp down, The wages that a nurse can make is not going to solve that problem at all. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just going to make it worse.
1: No, that's so interesting. Okay. And I guess the question for them too, like we're, like we've been saying, it's this question mark too, is, is it price gouging or is it supply and demand? And I think the question there, which travelers will relate to is, it sounds like some of the facilities are like, look, these bill rates have gone way up. And we just don't understand how much of it is actually getting passed on to the traveler, or are you just keeping way more profits than is even fair to take advantage of this pandemic? Because just like travelers, a lot of times, we wish for more transparency, we don't get it. We have no clue what the bill rate is, but it sounds like the facilities are almost in a little similar spot where they're like, we understand our spend, but we're just not understanding like where all that spend is going and is it fair or is it not fair? So it sounds like transparency and education on both sides could help everyone understand that this is fair and this is supply and demand, or it's not. Look how much extra you're keeping, you know, if some staffing agencies aren't doing things like a more fair way. Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I think there is, you know, there's there's certainly transparency uh, is, I think, a really important Goal for a staffing firm and a client to to get to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, knowing that both have information that is proprietary to their business that they are not going to share with anybody because yeah. it would then put them at a competitive disadvantage. Uh, and I think that's something that both sides need to realize. Uh, we also know that you know there's a lot of competition out there for staffing firms. There's about five thousand staffing firms that place nurses uh, in the mm-hmm. United States. So, and with travelers literally being able to go just about anywhere, um, you know, you don't have to just work with one staffing firm as a healthcare facility. Mm-hmm. You can go around to three or four and, and basically negotiate rates and negotiate other parts of your contract, uh, and that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's important for these facilities to do. It's not just to call up somebody and say, hey, I need five nurses tonight. I'll pay anything. Just get them over here. Um, And obviously things happen and and sometimes that's necessary. But these kind of long-term conversations and relationships will help with that as far as transparency and the information that is shared back and forth between Mm -hmm. the staffing firm and the client. You know, when you talk about the travel nurses, there's so many factors that goes into that bill rate and in a lot of times it's 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 hard to get your arms around just how many different factors so let's just come up with a couple of different examples right
1: yeah
0: and and as as weird as they sound i think people out there your audience that's listening to this i'm betting there're going to be a few people that can probably relate to just about every example Uh, And I'm going to make them a little bit drastic and I don't mean to be picking on any states or anything, but I'm just trying to uh, paint as clear of a picture as I can. Um, Let's say you're a nurse in Florida and you're a travel nurse and your staffing firm calls you up and says, hey, Laura, I got a great job for you. It's going to pay you, you know, really well. Um, It's a contract to go work at a hospital from january 3rd to march 1st and your response is well where is the hospital you know it's in uh, fargo north dakota you're like there's no way i'm going to fargo north dakota from florida from january to march um so a lot of times what they have to do is that rate's going to have to be bumped up somehow right you have to make it worth their while to get there And so all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know, originally they were going to pay you, you know, $50 an hour, but I got them to go up to $65 an hour. And then your response is, well, if you make it $70 an hour, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Um, There are other times when, when you're getting a nurse from somewhere and sending them to um, somewhere, maybe it's rural, maybe it's somewhere off the beaten path where, It's really hard to attract people there because there's not much more to offer them besides the the hospital job so that those rates have to be up higher. On the other hand, if you're sending somebody to, you know, a hospital in in Los Angeles or New York City or somewhere that is considered a prime spot, you know, maybe you don't have to offer somebody as much incentive pay to go there because they want to go there. Right. What if what if the person, what if there was a nurse in, in Fargo who got offered a job in in Maui for for eight weeks during the winter time? I don't know that you'd have to pay them much of a bonus to get them to agree to go there. So there's all these factors that go into this, uh, not to mention the fact that, you know, we also look at we try to make sure that states with I know, you all know this, I know. But a lot of states have what are called nurse-patient ratios, right? So there have to be a certain number of nurses on the floor, depending on how many beds are filled. One of the things that we've heard during the pandemic is that, again, because of the shortage and because of the money they're paying and a lot of other things, you know, we've, we've heard of nurses getting placed in facilities where, you know, maybe, and again, making this number up, but maybe a nurse would be responsible for five beds on a floor, uh usually and now in the pandemic they've got 13 beds that they're responsible for. You know, it's like almost they're almost doing the work of literally three nurses. Yeah. Because they're trying to spread them out. So if you have a situation where the travel nurse is going to be either working a lot longer hours or maybe covering more beds, you're going to have to bump that fee up a little bit more. So there's no standard fee. There's no standard percentage. It's going to be based on so many factors. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think the one thing that we can say unequivocally is that if you were to look at a bill rate uh, on a staffing firm that is charging a client for a nurse, the nurse wage is going to be the primary and largest part of that bill rate. Yeah. Because that's the most important thing there. And everything else kind of flows from that bill rate. So Mm -hmm. again, if you're paying a nurse $100 Hundred dollars an hour, then you know you have to pay you know twenty dollars an hour in federal taxes, maybe ten dollars an hour in state taxes, maybe you know four dollars in UI, maybe three dollars in workers' comp. workers' comp with nurses and pandemic, that number could go a lot higher. Um, and then everything else kind of flows off of that base number. Mm-hmm. And so the client gets a bill for hundred and fifty dollars an hour. The nurse is being paid $75 an hour. Both sides may think that the staffing firm is pocketing the other 75 as profit, you know, when in reality, that other $75, again, we've talked about a lot of that money goes toward the cost of labor. And then Mm -hmm. if if you've got that extra money, that 25% that goes to the staffing firm, you know, then the staffing firm has to pay for their office, they have to pay for their employees. Uh, the cost of them doing business, and then there's a small percentage left over for profit. So, you know, I would say this to any travelers, um, just like I would say to any client, just like I say to my kids all the time, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And there's no such thing as a question that really shouldn't be asked. I mean, if if it's in the right context and done properly, there's no reason for a travel nurse not to ask their staffing firm for some more information on what they're being paid now you may not get the answer. You know, they may say, you know what, I can't share that with you because it's proprietary information, but there's no harm in asking. And, and, and many times you will probably get more information than you ever thought you would get,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, yeah. I mean, you may, you may get, you may get a staffing firm that says, Laura, Laura, I'm paying you $75 an hour. You know that. I'm billing the client $125. That $50 that's in between what you get and what I get, you know, that $50 gets spent just like that in a lot of different ways. I mean, there's no harm in asking. And quite frankly, if you've got a staffing firm that's not very, that's not sharing a lot of information, then you know, the 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 supply of staffing firms works both ways. We tell the clients they should shop around. The nurses should feel free to look around as well. Yeah, Maybe there's something that's yeah. going
1: to be
0: more open and transparent mm-hmm. that you're going to be more comfortable working with.
1: Yeah, that was such a good explanation of, of all the things that go into a bill rate, too. So, travelers, I think you guys, most of you guys know that that's listening, but the bill rate isn't as the hourly rate that the staffing agency will bill the facility. And, Mike, I have one more question about the bill rate, and then we'll just kind of move into the, the end of this of the likely outcome of, of these letters and the investigations. But on the bill rate, I'm curious. Who decides the bill rate? Is it the staffing agency that says this is what we're charging you because of supply and demand? Is it the hospital that says we're gonna this is what our budget is, here's what we can afford, and if it's too low, they just won't get travelers, so they naturally will need to raise it? Like who's the ultimate person in control of saying here's the bill rate? Is it the hospital or long-term care facility? Is it the staffing agency or is it the nurse? Who who decides that number? Thanks for listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life. You can find the full show notes below or at TrapCon.org. Please help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.